Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is happening? My name is Curtis, and we've got just another great show lined up for you today. But here with me are some other, we'll, we'll call them pseudo-spikes. We've got, <laughs> um, so Nathan, just help me out with the last name, because there's no way I'm going to do it correctly. Nathan Quintanilla. And you might know him ha- as at GreatNate on Twitter. He's also got a sick YouTube channel. Uh, you should check out where he does a lot of uh, playtesting. Nathan, thanks for being on with us, man. Man, thanks a lot for having me. Uh, also, is some producer guy and MTG mm-hmm. Yellow Belt, Mr. Cameron McCoy. Cameron, how are you, sir? Oh, fantastic, dude. How about you? Well, I'm kind of sick of you, to be honest. We've yeah. spent a lot of time together Arf. as of late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of weird, actually, um, having you kind of yell at me from behind rather than just in my mind whenever I'm playing Magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually we just talk every Sunday night for 30 minutes, ships passing in the night, but we were forced to spend in excess of 24 hours together, and it was pretty rough. It was, it was. pretty rough. Um, we like to start out every show talking about what we've done for the week. Um, Nathan, I'm going to throw it to you first because you're our guest, and uh, you've been playing some Moto, something we haven't been doing. So how's that been going for you? Uh, it's been going pretty well. I, unfortunately, I did not get to play any Paper Magic. I know that that's what you guys usually do. Um, and I didn't get to play in any major Moto tournaments, but I did manage to carve out some time to play in a couple of daily events and make some comment uh, content for my YouTube channel. So I did get that in. Okay, so awesome. hey, let's just let's just push that out right now. What is the YouTube channel? So the YouTube channel, you can find it at I think it's YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash GreatNateMTG. And that's just where I put all of the video content that I create, mainly in the modern format. Uh, also, I've been working on modern guides as a way to introduce new players to the modern format. And I have a couple of other ideas that I'm working on, too. Yeah, I really dig your um, your two-man queue videos, where it's kind of you know, one of the things that's difficult about learning a modern deck or following modern content is uh, like finding matches that are specific like seeing Geist versus Affinity or whatever, mm-hmm. and like being able to track that down. And your videos do a good job of kind of establishing those matchups. So you've just been creating more content this week? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much what I've had time to do. And, and that, that's probably uh, you know, a lot more effort than we put in to do this show, <laughs> as you probably noticed. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Cameron, you and I, we PTQ'd. We did, yeah. You drove up to Ames, Iowa, um, which is about a 40-minute trip north of where I live. Uh, so we playtested a little bit uh, Friday night with... Uh, I suited Calling it playtesting would be overselling it, I think. How about we, I think we, we played, played together? We, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. yeah, how about that? So, right. um, And I had a great time actually just doing that and um, hopefully preparing a little bit for what the matchup was, which is actually... Not at all. Uh, so <laughs> PTQ uh, went one and three, dropped after that, um, playing in the blue red Delver deck. Um, I did a, a few just different things uh, compared to some of the other Delver decks that are around. Namely, I added two tectonic edges, so I upped my land count to 20 instead of 18. Um, and then I added a Karanos in the main. Um, which actually was very, it played very favorably for me. Um, Kronos is awesome. It is, yeah, yeah. I was actually, I was kind of worried just getting to that five, but as long as my tempo game is up and I can, you know, it's just like a great way to kind of close out the game or just find that one additional card that I need. Um, 
if it needs to happen. So um, it's really just a miser's copy to like have you in the late game, right? Like I- exactly. That's yeah. a, it's a card that you can hold on to for an excessive number of turns while you do your thing, and it doesn't really <laughs> impact your seriously because we play tested it against control, and there were a number of times where you know I had the game locked up, and he you know resolved that or attempted to resolve it. And it really changed kind of the math and how I had to operate as the control player, right? So, mm-hmm. and especially since, you know, in your deck, he's never a creature or something's no. gone horribly wrong. Yeah, if he you is don't a want to be a creature. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be a creature. Yeah. And, and yeah. then I can't get rid of him, you know? So I thought that was a nice touch. Um, you know, the, the, the deck is one of those that's, I feel high variance. I feel like when you have the right matchups, you're in really good shape. What did you play against? Do you remember? So the first matchup was a mirror match, actually, and that's just miserable on both accounts. I think my opponent and I were both like, oh, crap, we're both playing Blue-Red Delver. Um, And he just kind of outdrew me um, on that third match where I just wasn't able to to play. And I know I had some misplays on there as well. Um, I played up against an Urzatron deck, which was just really easy. Like, I just... I. Was it red green Tron? No, it was Blue Tron. Mm. Um, mono, I think it was mono blue. Uh, but I just kind of stomped on his face and, and called it a day. It was it was the easiest matchup of the night of the day actually. Um, and the last matchup I had was um, Jund, and that guy he just shredded my hand every single That's time. It was like in- Inquisition, Thought Seize, Turn Four, Liliana. I had no counter magic because he had taken it all out and. <laughs> You know, just was never able to, you know, and then he's got a his Bob online as well. It's just card advantage central. So, yeah, it was a little a little difficult. But um, overall, I had a good time. After that, I played some Legacy uh, with another guy who just suited up his kind of like Rug Delver deck. And we had a great time doing that while no side events were going on. So <laughs> that well, was you know, the day. You know, Cameron, I, I think this is a, a good window into your state of mind versus my state of mind. Because when you have a bad tournament and you lose to a particular deck, you instantly jump to, I need to buy that deck to beat me. <laughs> That's the first thing that enters your brain, right? Because in the pre-show yeah. talk, you're like, man, I really want to play with a Thoughtseize deck, right? Yeah. And when, yeah. when I, just, I do poorly, I, <laughs> I, I go through this agonizing like mental state of just, I cannot stop evaluating my play. And I never, it never crosses my mind that my deck selection is wrong. Which, because I'm a Maverick player in Legacy, my deck selection is always wrong. <laughs> yeah. But or at least ninety percent of the time. Ninety percent, but I don't care, right? Because it's you like play blue it's more and modern, about, right? So what? You play blue and modern, right? I do. Yeah. Well, then it's probably always right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, no comment, man. No comment. Uh, so I went to the same PTQ and uh, you know, cue the 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 crying game right here, Cameron. But uh, you actually made it further in the tournament than I did. Yeah. So here's what happened. I, I played the same, almost the exact same. I think the sideboard was a little different. Uh, the blue-white deck that I um, finished 10th in at the other PTQ. And this PTQ was like 10 guys smaller. I'm feeling pretty good about the deck and, and my comfort level with it. And right off the bat, I get matched up against uh, Martyr Proc, Soul Sisters, whatever you want me to call it. And game one, I lose to running out of cards in my deck. (laughs) Because I did not know, uh, and I foolishly tapped out to play a Gideon, uh, I did not know that he was playing with Immortal Servitude. 
and he resolved an immortal servitude to bring back all of his one drops. When uh, my deck ran out of cards, he was at 85 life, right? But I had total control. I just couldn't deal him the 20 points of damage um, in time. I probably whittled him. I probably dealt him 35, 40 points of damage over the course of the game. Then uh, game two, I just ran into mana problems, and he killed me very quickly. Uh, and then match two, I got paired up against green-white hate bears. Again, a, I would call it an extraordinarily ideal matchup for me because I'm running three wrath effects in my deck. Three Supreme Verdicts, that is. And game one, I, I cruise. Um, game two, I lose. And then game three, this is how my deck just didn't operate. I kept a Hallowed Fountain, uh, an Island, and a Tech Edge. Okay? Supreme Verdict, two Serum Visions, and a Detention Sphere. Sounds like a good hand for control. Never saw yeah. another land. <laughs> it was just kind of one of those, and it was just very, very frustrating. I, like, I wouldn't say frustrating. I wasn't angry, but when I walk away from a tournament or any kind of play experience, I really like to self-evaluate, sometimes maybe a little harshly. But it was kind of one of those where I never felt like I was actually in the game enough for it to matter, mm-hmm. right? That I, I mean, I'm sure I, I might have made some decision trees that were incorrect, but the games outside of the game that went the entire length and me running out of my library, mm-hmm. they were all just kind of non games that I was never really in. Um, and so when round two closed, they said, Hey guys, we're firing M 15 drafts. And I was really excited about that. Cause I like drafting the format. And I don't really get an opportunity to, um, and I signed up, I put my name on the list and I was the lone guy on the list for about what Cameron, an hour and 45 minutes, at least two hours. Like, right. Yeah. yeah no one else signed up for it. And so, I had a, a roughly three and a half hour drive in front of me, so I decided to call it quits and leave from there. So kind of a non tournament, right? Yeah, yeah. I felt really bad for you driving up. Like, no, honestly, it was, it was great. Somehow. It was great. I'm one of these people that really likes to um, road trip. I got I got a sweet audio book. I'm such a nerd. Six hours with my audio book. Like, what more could I ask for? Um, but yeah, there just wasn't much more to it than that. Um, y- you know, we'll have to talk about this later. But there was definitely some chatter. I, f- I feel like um, Modern is very popular amongst the PTQ crowd. And there was definitely some concern about where Modern's headed within that tournament structure going forward. It was very, very strange whenever I was 0-2 and then I dropped. And I appeared to be the only person out of, what, 145 people that dropped after 0-2. Yeah, yeah. Which is really unusual at a big tournament. Usually there are a lot of 0-2s that flood right to the you know, the side event stage. But the tournament organizers were putting on, like, if you went X2, you got nine packs of M15. So, I mean, maybe people were just holding out hope that, hey, I lost the first two matches, but I'm sitting clear for the next six. I don't know. Maybe Iowa's just full of optimists. It could be. Just think about that, Cameron. Yeah, Yeah. it's the land of, yes, optimism, yeah. Because i got to be honest with you, just a state south is a little place called Missouri. And when somebody goes 0-2... They say, well, I can't say what they're, they actually say, but they yeah, say, forget yeah. this. I'm going to go do a side event, right? Yeah, sure. So anyway, uh, that was our week. We have just a ton to talk about with regards to modern and also the state of removal. So let's cut it here, come back, and on the flip side, we'll talk about that stuff. All right, guys. So this week I got a really good email from... A gentleman named Chris uh, that referenced Sam Stoddard's 
article about the future of removal. And I'm not going to read the email verbatim, but basically it was this. Uh, if they are going to make RAS more expensive, what does that mean for the future of control? Uh, in the article directly, there's two kind of components to it. There's one that says, you know, point and click removal uh, will be a slightly more expensive and slightly more conditional, a la something like Celestial Flare versus Path to Exile. Okay? And that RAS will be slightly more expensive and that four mana RAS might be a thing of the past. So, um, Nathan, I'll throw it to you first because obviously you play a little bit of control, right? You play a little bit of blue. Um, are you concerned about the direction that the removal's headed or are you fine with it? Um, I, I think overall I'm fine with it. And my, I, think my, I think my major reasons are, you know, you have to look at growing magic. You have to look at, you know, how can we make magic future-proof in some senses. And if they're always printing cards like Path to Exile and Swords to Plowshares, when newer players come to, to the game, you know, they're, they're really excited about casting their creatures, and they're going to put their, I don't know, their Briar Pack Wolf or whatever creature it is that they, that they want to play. And, you know, Suntail Hawk. In, 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 Suntail Hawk, right. You know, they're, right, they're yeah. really going to want to get their Suntail Hawk out there. And, you know, if every time they play it, some guys like Path to Exile or... They play another one, they're like, Snapcaster Mage, Path to Exile, Swords, whatever it is. You know, it's kind of like they're going to they're feel a bit disheartened. So maybe that kind of removal isn't necessarily the best for, like, the long-term uh, state of magic and with regards to, like, bringing new players in. So I think in that, from that perspective, I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess I think the other reason it's okay is all of those amazing cards do exist. And, you know, as you sort of learn the format, there's, you know, meaning standard, there's a way to grow into more efficient, more powerful spells in other formats like Modern and, and Legacy. That's fair. Cameron, mm -hmm. what about you? So, becoming a, like a tournament magic player right when Theros Block had started was probably the, the greatest reason why I wanted to move into Modern and Legacy events. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> okay. Uh... It, just because, like, I, I just didn't feel like there was, like, the variance or anything that I wanted in in it. And I wanted to play the cool, fun Lightning Bolt. I wanted to play the Path to Exile, the Thought Seize, the, the Supreme Verdict Wrath Effect, or something like that, you know? Um, so I kind of just disagree where, I don't know, in Standard, I me personally, it's just my flavor. I really prefer that that method of play, I guess like the little, a little bit more of the tempo game, a little bit more of the, the control a more game. high powered standard essentially is. What yeah. You're yeah. That's what I'm saying is like, I prefer that. And, um, honestly, that's the reason I'm, I'm wanting to play legacy and modern all the time now. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm of two minds about this. First of all, regarding just the point and click removal, I don't necessarily have a problem with them, kind of... I mean, Path to Exile is an outrageous example. We're talking about the second, what, best removal spell ever printed or something. Yeah, probably just behind swords. Right, so, I, you know, that's an excessive example. I think one of the things that I'm concerned about is, you know, them just altering the speed of the removal versus all the conditions. Because, you know, I with Ultimate Price and Doomblade and Go for the Throat, it just feels like the same card... And they've just changed changed one condition in kind of a lazy fashion, where I think you know something like oust is a really you know elegant answer to making removal efficient, but then it has to be sorcery speed. 
um, which I think creates kind of a little bit more nuance. So, you know, hey, the removal thing, I'm fine with it. The wrath effect situation is something that's different entirely. And in in the article, I kind of take issue because he mentions Titan era standard. What a lot of people don't talk about is for half the time the Titans were in standard, they weren't seeing any play because of Cobblade. So magic is a very, very context-sensitive thing, and control does not rely on a wrath. It just has the past two standard blocks. Mm. Um, that being said, my big concern with what they've done with control, so you know, if you want that whole pyramid scheme thing, where maybe paper, rock, scissors scheme, where it's combo versus control versus aggro, really that only exists truly in Legacy, right? Um, there is, I would argue that control is very downplayed in modern compared to combo and aggro. And then I would argue that combo is non-existent in standard practically. Um, like one is, deck out of the, how many? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of what the combo deck is, but what they've done is to, in an effort to kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, neuter the power of control is they made it less decision intensive. So things mm-hmm. like preordain or ponder or, you know, obviously Jason Mind Sculptor was really powerful for standard, but things that create decision trees to me is the hallmark of a great control deck, and mm-hmm. that's just been absent. I'm not saying that they're asleep at the wheel, but I think you can argue that this version of control that we have right now, the Quicken Planar Cleansing version, is the easiest standard control deck that's ever been. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, you know, you talk about decision trees, you know, when you're playing, you know, I, I played Ponder and Standard at the time, and, you know, obviously you're like, oh, man, both these cards are great. What do I do with them? You know, when mm-hmm. you take a look. But when you don't have Ponder, and instead of playing Ponder, you're just casting Sphinx's Revelation for seven. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> my, my, my decision is I'll keep all of these seven cards. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And I think I'll gain the life, too, right? Like, there, there's just, and, and, you know, whenever you cast Elspeth, there's not, generally speaking, a decision. Um and and the Jace Factor Fiction thing, I mean, you could try to argue that there's a decision, but generally speaking, not so much. Um, so th- that's where I'm worried that control is, because you can have a great control deck without a Wrath Effect. Sea uh, Fairies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they need to push kind of archetypes in a way that makes diversity in the metagame. And, and I'm worried in the email that uh, Chris sent us, really astutely points out that if they're not careful with this, you'll see a, a mid-range versus aggro it, like constantly. And mm-hmm. that's very concerning, especially with the way that they've been printing red creatures lately. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to play, you know, rabble red against uh, a green red variant against a, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a white weenie variant, et cetera, et cetera, because then the resources that you're exchanging are, you know, it feels like you're playing duels of planeswalkers, you know? Yes. It, yeah. So I, I'm concerned. I'm hopeful that they'll enable control with, with keeping a five-mana wrath because, you know, five-mana wrath could be sweet. Hello, Burial. I've, I'm no stranger to that card. Um, but, how yeah, much, hopefully it's not. How much is Retribution? Is that seven? Yeah. yeah. yeah Let's not do pretty, that. It's a pretty slow wrath effect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Anger of the Gods, it's looking like. I mean, if this is the thing that is happening, then Anger of the Gods seems like what's going to be the wrath effect that's a go-to. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. I mean, we just don't know what's in the upcoming block. Uh, you know, they might make a very color intensive. Is it the blue, white, red is the control quote guild or whatever shard? So that would be, you know, maybe they could do a blue, white, red and two as the wrath effect. Something. I, like I that. don't. I'm sorry. I don't. 
What is Blue Art Red? Jessica yeah, Kai? Uh, Jessica Kylie. Yeah, that's Jessica <laughs> Kylie. That's right. Yeah. I am excited about those new names. Not really. <laughs> <Our>, yeah. <laughs> Jessica Kylie, uh, Marmaduke. Yeah. I, the, Ashley. The, I don't know, Hilton, I don't know. Isn't there one called, like, Teme? Or, or Teemer? I don't know what it's Teemer. called. I remember. Teemer. I, I, which, Worst. by the way, this this speaks volumes to Twitter, because people are actually getting into debates whether they're good names or not. It's like, that's such a personal preference thing. How could you ever change someone's mind? Yeah. Right? And they're all hilariously bad names. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I... Mean, I, 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 I I assume I, that they're referencing Mongolian descent. Like, I, I assume that's where they're coming from, but I haven't read anything regarding that. So. I, I, I didn't play in shards, but I could only imagine that people said the exact same thing. But I still can't help but feel like those names are better. Esper just sounds better than Marmaduke or whatever it's called, or, right? Or I Naya. Mean, yeah, right? Well, es- Esper is like a an actual word, <laughs> right, for starters. <laughs> sure. Um, but also, the problem that they run into is uh, some of these three-color combinations have things that are easier to say. I mean, bug is one syllable, and then... Uh, whichever one that is, team or yeah, we don't even syllable. know. <laughs> we don't even know. It, it's just more syllables. I mean, it's just that simple, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so, bug and rug, I think, will forever be bug and rug. I, mm-hmm. I, it's really difficult for me to imagine that changing. But I've been wrong about fifty percent of the time before. So, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Cameron calls it Patriot Control, which has got to change, man. You cannot, I, I, you cannot I just, go with that forever. I, I call it like rug threshold still just because MTG top eight says everything, you know, those are like the lists and it's like, okay, it's a threshold deck. I is, don't that, know. is that, is that where you go to find the new deck that you're going to be playing when you get upset, when you get thoughts? That's <laughs> exactly it. Yeah. Like, Ooh, this one sounds good. I had Number never one. heard of MTG top eight before. I mean, Cameron, Cameron might actually be the web developer for MTG <laughs> top eight and we don't know it. He brings it up. I don't know how often. I've never heard anybody else on a podcast article ever mention it, ever, ever. It's just really simple text. That's it. It's great. So what percentage of the time are the decks mislabeled, Cameron? You tell me. Well, they're all, I don't know, labeled appropriately to me. Dude, it's like Napster circa 1999. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... The, the two places I look are MTG Goldfish and an MTG Top Eight, and I think for the most part they're they're pretty right, but they definitely miss the nuances, right? Like, you know, I I play Blue White Red Geist a lot, you know, mm-hmm. as, as most people know, and I think that MTGO Top Eight, whatever algorithm they have, I, I don't know how it works, they see that and they call it Blue White Red Midrange, and I'm like, good job, that's what it is. But you look on MTG Goldfish and it's like Blue White Red Control, and I'm like, it is. That's not what this. That, that's not that actually. It's it's sorry. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah, I, I'll just say that I'm happy with none of them. I mean, I tend to use Tapped Out uh, to for my own deck list, but I don't ever actually like seek out other people's decks on TappedOut.net. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that. So means. from now on, it will be called a Jeskai Midrange Geist deck. Jessica so, Kylie. Jessica Kylie Geist. Jessica Kylie Geist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so our other big topic, um, and one of the main reasons we have you on, Nathan, is to talk a little bit about Modern. Obviously, we just yeah. played in a PTQ. Modern is, we'll call it your jam. Um, and for some unknown reason, I don't know why, 
We get more questions and comments about modern for our show than legacy or standard. Somehow we became that podcast. I don't know how. Modern, modern's popular. People like it. Yeah, I, I think it's popular too. But for some reason, we don't really talk about it that much. But we're those guys. Apparently, we are those yeah. guys. That that is that that is kind of interesting because I actually think of you guys more as a standard and legacy podcast. I mm-hmm. do, as do I, as do I. But really, we're a Suntel Hawk podcast. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everything else is just on the periphery uh, yeah, of the Suntel yeah. Hawk. Riding, um, riding the coattails of the Suntel Hawk. Exactly. Yeah. So he had a coat. let's just talk about you know for our new listeners, if you're out there listening and you're looking to break into modern. Uh, be it on moto or in paper, what would you suggest would be your kind of approach point? Because I hear from people all the time, and Cameron was unfortunately suggested to in this way, just get burned, just get merfolk, just get affinity, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and just go from there. What would you suggest, Nathan? Well, I, I, I don't think you can just get one. And one suggestion I hear a lot, which is people say, oh, you just go build Soul Sisters. Just go build a budget build and you know you'll be fine go build burn and you'll you can play that and it's cheap and and i don't think i agree with that because you know you you don't want to invest time and money into a deck that you really don't think you're going to enjoy so you you also don't want to you know invest say in uh, a a tier two deck that maybe not may not really be your jam and begin learning and then feel like well i've already invested three or four hundred dollars and i don't even want to play this deck now so I definitely think that the the best way to get into modern is to research the decks that are out there and think about maybe what you played in standard and if you really enjoyed it, uh, maybe find a deck that is similar uh, in modern. In fact, that's how I made the transition. I really I played uh, Blue at Red Geist when it was in standard mm-hmm. and really liked it and I was like, man, Snapcaster Mage is awesome. Restoration Angel is awesome. Geist of Saint Traft is awesome. I want to keep playing these cards and so. You know, I was able to, to to make the transition, but if you're not able to do that, I think just looking at the major decks that are out there, finding one that you think fits your play style, and I would and 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 go and and get into that. And you know what? You don't even have to buy it all at once. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the pieces you own and printing up proxies for the rest and going to your local store and being like, "Hey, I want to play modern. I don't have all the cards yet, and maybe you can't enter the tournament." But I guarantee you there's going to be plenty of people there that are going to be like, hey, man, that's sweet. Yeah, let's jam some games. And you'll be able to play with them with that deck, and you can kind of avoid uh, making a, a big financial investment. That's what I would do. Man, this is so awkward. We're, like, talking about Cameron when he's right in front of yeah, us. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cameron, you um, went about it this way, right? You went and purchased the complete, Merfolk? Yeah, the complete opposite of what he just did, yeah. And would you, <laughs> would you recommend doing that or not? Um. You know, I had some decent success with Merfolk. It's a very straightforward deck. Um, it gets you to play modern in like a tournament setting, but you're not. I, I mean, I just personally didn't enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I think going about it in a little bit different of a way. So I really liked the blue white control shell that um, was really popular back last November two thir- two th- twenty thirteen. Maybe do something similar with that, you know, or. Yeah, like a tempo sort of deck. I love that idea of just proxying yeah. things, and that's kind of what I did with Legacy because my shop, uh, like you know, offers a ten card proxy. It really lets you kind of experiment with a lot of different decks. Same thing with Modern, really, and I love that. Yeah, I, I unfortunately think we're all on the same page. 
which is very concerning. Yeah. Um, because I was, I was, it's like you were reading my note cards, guys. I highly suggest against listening to that guy that tells you to go build burn. <laughs> because A, you're a better person than that, whoever you are out there listening. Really? <laughs> you, tr- you deserve more in life than playing lightning bolts over and over again. Um, and, yeah. And secondly... It'll leave you I, feeling empty inside. It, it really will. And secondly, you know, there's no shame in proxing something up and playtesting it to see what it is that you like and going after it. Because a bunch of the cards in these decks are still gettable if you were willing to trade standard for them. Uh, my first recommendation would be right now get Shocklands. That would oh, be yeah. the a number one thing you should do is get these Shocklands that you think you're going to use because they're likely at a low. If you can afford fetch lands, I would get those next. Uh, and then you like for example Cameron's blue red Delver deck. After you get the Shocklands and the fetch lands, almost everything else in that deck you can trade for relatively easily. Oh, yeah. Everything's sub $5 for the most part. Right. And, yeah. and the same way with Storm. I mean, obviously, there are exceptions to this, you know, things like Cryptic Command or Tarmogoyf. Um, but yeah, proxy it up and see if it is your style. Uh, I did this very same thing when I went from Maverick and I was like, okay, I'm ready to play another deck or buy cards for another deck that I'll never play. And I started to try Enchantress, Legacy Enchantress. And I proxied it up and played it, and I did it for one night, and I said, there is no way I'm ever going to play this deck. It's the worst thing that mm-hmm. could ever happen to me. Aren't you glad like, you didn't def- spend all that money? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, it's not super expensive once you have the dual lands or whatever, but it's an exercise in tedium, and I'm glad I didn't do that. I, I would also say that you know, modern sometimes can be a hard format to fall in love with, at least from my perspective. So you really, really want to find a deck that you enjoy first. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can have tournaments where just based upon the matchups, and this can happen in Legacy as well, where you get crushed and you feel like, you know, because the decks are so powerful, the games can be so short, you know, you might go get stormed and then, you know, like get Splinter Twin on turn four. So you want to make sure you're spending that time with a deck that you can really have fun with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I do want to mention too, you know, you, you might also think about uh, sort of exp- expandability or upgradability i mean you know there's a lot of decks in modern that the shells and and i think blue red is is probably the best example i can think of off the cuff but you know once you have you know blue red lands or even blue white red lands and the fetches and the shocks like the shells in so many of those decks are so similar you know i kind of realized just now or just recently i'm like Mm -hmm. oh i don't I, i don't have splinter twin but if I buy four Splinter Twins and a few, you know, uncommons, then I have Splinter Twin or Blue White Red Splinter mm-hmm. Twin. So, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people mention that Legacy is a format of buying staples, and I, you know, I don't, I don't play Legacy, but I don't think Modern's necessarily too much far behind that. No, you're yeah, absolutely it, right. I mean, you could get like Vendillion Click and Cryptic Command, and pretty much be set with a ton of like Blue Red type decks or shells. You're right. Or blue black at that, black, you know what yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. Uh, so, or blue black fairies is what I should say. I, so that's my suggestion is to start with the mana. I mean, this is what you should do in Legacy too, though the mana is a nice way of saying it would be exorbitant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, you know, yes, it is possible to play modern without fetches, um, 
and it is possible to build good decks without fetches, but I don't think that should be your primary thing. If you want to play Affinity, do it because you like Affinity, um, not because you don't want to buy fetches. You know, lastly, if you guys don't mind a little uh, self-promotion on my end, um, when I first got into Modern, I was very confused and somewhat overwhelmed because I had never heard of so many of the terms. You know, when somebody said, mm-hmm. oh, he's playing Tron, I was like, isn't that a movie? Yeah. You know, I, I, I had no clue what they were talking about. And even with Splinter Twin, I was like, I have Splinter of who? You know, it, it was very confusing to me. And so, you know, on my YouTube channel, that's one of the reasons I was like, man, you know, I'd like to help other people who are getting into modern. And if you go to my YouTube channel, there is a playlist called Modern Guides. And I'm trying to make one for all of the major decks. And it's not an in-depth guide to the deck, but it's, you know, you should be able to walk away after, say, watching the Splinter Twin video, it's like 10 minutes long, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I know what Splinter Twin, the deck is, and I know why they call it that, and I have a reasonable understanding of how that deck operates and what to look for. So I would definitely recommend that as a resource because you can go and, and spend just 10 minutes on each deck, get an idea of what it is, and if you want to you know, dig deeper, then you can you know, start finding more play videos or articles, but it's definitely a good, a good introduction. Yeah, and to back that up, like it can be an obtuse format as well, right? Like whenever you go to the major sites, there's not a lot of this is this is step one to playing modern. Yeah, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it, it's very intimidating. And and if if I may, let's just jump into the pros and cons. Um, and I think though that, that is one of the major cons is that it can be obtuse. It can be difficult to absorb what's happening. And really, of the major formats, you could argue that modern has the least amount of video coverage. Um, from a live play perspective, there's basically just the Grand Prix, and I'll I'll do respect to Watsi's team. Sometimes yeah. those archives aren't uh, the easiest to track down. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Cameron, for you, you you've kind of attached yourself to these uh, older formats. What was a difficult thing for you going stepping into modern? Well, the price really, or just the the fetches, was like probably the the number one thing, especially just starting out and not really kind of comprehending or realizing that there is like a an investment in those cards but once you get those cards you're set i mean you can pretty much play as nathan just alluded to you know a a variety of decks just based on a, a you know a set staple a set few staples um so yeah i guess that's probably the thing that i would say but well i mean i got to get more negative than that right nathan i know you're a big fan of modern what would you put any cons on the format? Um, you know, I, I would I would have to say that price is is definitely one of them. Um, but you know, in the long term, <laughs> I feel like I'm about to turn a con into a positive. <laughs> I guess right. I really mm-hmm. do like modern. I was going to say, you know, in the long term, I think that once you've kind of made that investment, because it's non-rotating format, you don't have to. Um, always spend a, a bunch of money like every year, but definitely barrier to entry if you want to call it that. It is an expensive format to get into, and I know at first they said they don't want it to be that expensive, but let's just be honest, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I, I would say the other con before we kind of get super positive, which is really not something we're very comfortable with, um, <laughs> you know, we've mentioned it, and I don't want to beat this to death, I, I think there are a lot of problems with the way Watsi has handled the format, uh, and you know, from the way that Modern Masters kind of went out versus, you know, and the way that the ban list has kind of fluctuated wildly and, you know, the status of Modern PTQs and the status of Modern on the Pro Tour, it feels 
like a very mixed message. And by and large, you know, and I'm not trying to stereotype you guys, but the guys that I know that have been playing competitive for three years or less really like modern. They really like that they can attach themselves to an older format at a cheaper premium than legacy. Yeah. And really enjoy it. And I don't feel like Watsy's done a good job catering to that crowd and keeping them invested in a way and pushing the... Okay. That uh, the I think you're you're kind of right, especially when you said the mixed message. And I would not have necessarily I don't know if I would have agreed, but that announcement when they said they're banning Modern from the Pro Tours like completely caught me off guard. I was like, right? But you yeah. guys just released Modern Masters, <laughs> and you're like talking about how you want Modern to be a thing, and now you're taking it off the Pro Tour. I'm like, didn't somebody somewhere like red flag that as hey guys, we're kind of doing two different things here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. And again, yeah. the the PTQ thing. I, I mean, I don't know what your local situation is like in Hawaii. I picture that you play cards on rainbows while people rub your shoulders and this kind That's of thing. exactly what happens, actually. Um, <laughs> but in Kansas City, the only thing that was pushing modern as a format was the modern PTQs, right? And I guess when Star City shows up now. And, you know, when, when it became a store option to do standard sealed or modern, uh, I think a lot of us were just like, Oh man, that means you know I'm gonna have to drive three hours to play in a modern PTQ versus a standard one, mm-hmm. which was really really disappointing. Um, and I hope they take steps to promote the product further. And the release of Modern Masters One, you know, they can say it developed interest, but I think unfortunately the economics of it backfired in a pretty large way. I don't know, like the price of Tarmogoyf, the price of you know Dark Confidant, all those things re- remain relatively unchanged. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you could, drop in price. Yeah, and, and you could argue things like um, Path to Exile, it's kind of kept the price at a normal level, but I don't think it really helped people as much as they would have liked. Um, you know, Cryptic Command, I think, is enemy number one with regards to that. It's, it went way, way up. Yeah, there, were, there was a window, you know, and I happened to get yeah. into Paper Modern during that window. I think I picked up my Cryptic Commands for like $25 a card, and I was like, well, that's not too bad. You know, and and at the time I didn't know. I thought I was going to stay there, but I thought they would stay there. But now I think they're like fifty dollars or something like that. So yeah. it did help, but not for the long term. I think it created yeah. more demand, if anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I um, to give my history with modern. So I actually, when Gavin Verhey was a member of just the community, and on Magic Online they did a thing called Overextended, which was mm-hmm. yeah, onslaught forward. I played in those. And um, bought blue black fairies with Jace the Mind Sculptors, Bitter Blossom, wow. the works. And, yeah. and when they initially announced the format for the Community Cup, none of those cards were banned. And uh, that was the Community Cup that LSV was on. And there's some really interesting deck lists. Obviously, Hypergenesis and Combo Elves, they knew right away had to go. Uh, but then they released the format, and the fairies deck that I had on Magic Online was essentially, essentially completely nuked. And. Yeah. Um, you know, that was really disheartening, and, and I kind of rode this wave of, okay, then I'll buy Zoo, and then I played Zoo for a little while, and then Wild Nakatl went away. And, and you know what I mean? It's just as someone that's super invested in the format, and I've been playing it, or buying cards for it, I should say, the entire time that it's been in existence, I'm just frustrated with the way that they handle these things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, you know no, I think that's actually kind of, you, you brought up a, another another con, so to speak, of the format, one that sort of impacts it in two different ways. You know, modern... Uh, I think does have a tendency to stagnate in that once really good decks are, are, are sort of tweaked and figured out, people definitely tend to play those. 
and it really it really only can get shaken up by a banning. And so while on one hand it is good that you can change up the format a little bit, you're always sort of in danger of, oh no, I bought into Birthing Pod and two months later you decided to ban Birthing Pod. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, guys. You know, and, and, yeah. and you know, I, I do think that that is kind of a, a bit of a con because, you know, nobody wants to buy into something and have their card banned. Yeah, and there is, is somehow, I, WotC has the arbitrary fun meter where they dictate what is fun and what is not fun. I mean, I, I believe Storm's been the target of more bannings than any other deck in Modern, yet it's not won any Modern Grand Prix. Uh, you know, there, there's this kind of, and, and what Jun's been hit with, is it two bannings now? Something like that. Yeah, yeah Blood and, Raid and, and then Death Rite Shaman. Death Rite. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and so you feel like there's this thing, and, and I, I also want to mention... Um, because this came up on Twitter, uh, a listener asked me, like, what what about something like Inquisition and Thoughtseize, and you know, is that putting too much pressure on the format? And I've been asked the same thing about Remand before, which I think is interesting. And hmm. I think the other the other con is the way that they've built it and the way that it plays is sometimes the games can get very swingy, and you feel like like Cameron did with Thoughtseize the other day mm-hmm. that you just run into a matchup that is. I mean, I would say extremely difficult, or you don't feel like you were ever really a part of the game, <laughs> yeah. because the safety valve cards that exist in Legacy do not exist in Modern. Now, that's not to say I think Wasteland should be in <laughs> Modern, okay? Um, I'm kind of on the record about, I believe there should be a Force of Will-like effect, um, but I, with the lack of safety valves means like discard effects are the most powerful way to interact with what your opponent's combo could be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that feels a little little rough, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, it is an older format, so unfair things are going to happen. There's just no real way around that. Uh, you know, oh, I, yeah. I do have to believe with the bannings that Watsi has, you know, I would like to, I, I have to believe that they have, you know, the growth of the format and unbanning cards as much as they can in mind. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can't imagine that they are sitting around in some room like let's ban things you know I, for no arbitrary reason you know I, I really do think that they probably you know are trying to do the best they can oh yeah so here, here's my actual what i believe it is i believe they actually listen to feedback too much and they take it into account because sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease and i think prominent community members particularly really called out for the banning of pieces of jund and that's why it went away I, I, well, you know, let's hmm. just be fair. Deathrite Shaman was like a one man a planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying. So I think Deathrite Shaman was the problem, not Bloodbraid Elf. Perhaps. And uh, you know, Wild Nakadal specifically, I think, was an outrageous banning. But yeah, I don't want to go you. down like through all these individual bannings. My sure, point is, sure. you know, for comic effect, I believe it's like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory with Golden Goose, and you know, they <laughs> weigh things and all that, and it's just their arbitrary fun meter. But yeah. in reality, what I think is they're oversensitive to the feedback, which makes modern feel like a steering wheel that they're whipping back and forth, you know, in these kind of mm-hmm. excessive ways that you don't feel like there's a true course, a real plan. Um, that being said, okay, let's try to be positive. Cameron, I'm going to throw this to you because I don't think I'm, I'm capable of oh. it. Go. I love it. I <laughs> I genuinely enjoy the format. I mean, yesterday, even though I lost hard against uh, several different decks... I uh, I had a good time playing. Um, I had a heck of a lot better time playing this than I 
do standard right now, and that's just because the availability of cards are is there, right? There's just a ton of interesting, unique things that can happen, and I I love that there is as we've already talked about, um, a decision-making process that has to happen. While Serum Visions isn't as great as Ponder, it does make you think and like, okay, do I want to, you know, with the scry effect, leave these two on top or bottom or, or whatnot and, you know, kind of planning out the next two moves of your of your chess match. And I love that. I, I hope you felt the palpable dislike of Serum Visions on my end. <laughs> you feel it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, t- I can feel it, yeah. Anyway, Nathan, so, you know, obviously you're a big promoter of the format, so let's, let's oh, yeah. let you lay into the positive side of things. Well, I mean, there's the, there's the obvious stuff, right? Modern doesn't rotate. So mm-hmm. you can bind your cards, and you get to keep them, and mm-hmm. they're not going to go away. You know, and, and I think for, for somebody like me, you know, I'm married, uh, I, I have a kid, you know, that, you know, there are times when I can't always focus as much as I'd like to on magic, let's just be honest. If I if I could, it would be all the time. Mm-hmm, you right. know, I have, I have other responsibilities, and it's great that I don't have to worry about like, oh, one of those things has happened, you know, right at rotation, and oh, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just going to let all my cards become worthless, and you know, it, th- that's the obvious mm-hmm. stuff. But a little bit to what Cameron said, um, the format requires that you become a better magic player, I feel like. Like mm-hmm. if you sort of had your first season in standard, you're going to come into 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 modern and realize that everything matters more. And not just when you cast their envisions. There are just so the cards are so much more impactful that mm-hmm. you can make a mistake like, well, I'm going to use path to exile on this creature instead of lightning bolt, you know, and maybe you did it on your turn or maybe you did it at their upkeep and you were smart about it, but because you gave them that one extra land, you know, now you've let the game run away from you. And so mm-hmm. you have to constantly think about, like, you know, what is, you know, what is going to be the consequence of this decision a turn or two from now, not on just not just on my side, not just executing my plan, but, you know, either disrupting or, you know, just w- what their plan is. And there's just so much more happening. And, you know, I, I think that one of the great things about the format is as you learn the other decks and as you learn to pilot your own deck, you really start to see that translate into wins. And uh, I think that that's one of the big pros is just, it's a, I almost want to say like it's a skill building format because I feel like you have to elevate your play in order to be successful in it. And I think that's a very gratifying feeling. Mm -hmm. I, I would, I just, I totally agree. And I think modern's really benefited from what's a nice way to refer to standard right now. Standard is like the worst right now. <laughs> How poetic. I, I mean, I, I just, I genuinely think it's the worst standard I've ever played in. And modern is, well, I have issues with modern, light years better. Light years better than what it is. And Legacy's in a dip right now. I mean, there's no nice way to dance around that. There's a lot of Delver, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, what I think is really great, so Legacy, I feel like, is the the format where you need to know your deck. And mm-hmm. then you kind of have to intuitively sometimes guess what's going on with your opponent because there are a lot of brews. There are a lot of things that you start playing against that you don't know. Where I feel like Modern, you benefit a lot from understanding your opponent's deck. And I think I referenced this when we did our Modern kind of mm-hmm. thing. I said, you need to know what turn you're likely going to die on. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I dude, remember like, you saying that actually. That that's that's really true, especially with decks like Splinter Twin out there. Splinter Twin, Storm, um, Ad Nauseum, you mm-hmm. kind of need to know when they're about to go critical. Because in Legacy, you can kind of avoid that by bluffing, force of will. There's always that question, right, of what counter magic is available, what ways can you interfere with that game plan. Where in Modern, there's less ways. There are obviously still ways, but they're a little more obvious, so you kind of have to sculpt your game plan in a way where you're able to go critical before they are. And I think that's great. And that's not how Standard feels. Standard feels like okay, we have the exact same set of resources. I hope my resources are better than your resources. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just kind of becomes this exchange. So I, I, I really have enjoyed playing Modern. And the other nice thing about playing Modern is whenever I'm at a tournament, uh, you know, hey, there's just a little bit older, more experienced player. And with that comes usually a much better time. Um, yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I don't know. I was, I was there playing... And somebody, they asked what I did for a living. And, I, you know, I said, I'm a teacher. And they said, oh, I see. I seem to be playing a lot of teachers and dads today. <laughs> and I just thought, well, that's that's the format that I want to be in. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, you know, modern as a whole, though, uh, I, I believe you should buy into. It's very hard for me to tell people to buy into Legacy at this price point. Oh, man, it's um, expensive. Yeah, it's it's so extra- incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. and and modern really just has a lot to offer. So, uh, Cameron, you ready to come become a spike? Oh yeah. All right, Cameron. Because modern is the subject of the day, I I sh- sent you a modern card. What what card are you talking about today? So today we have Shadow of Doubt. It costs, I don't know what you call this mana. It, hybrid it co- mana. Hybrid mana of either a blue-blue, black-black, or a combination thereof, right? It's an instant card, and then it has players can't search libraries this turn, and then it also has draw a card. Um, this is a great card to play if you just want to be really mean when somebody wants to fetch a land. Um so they they crack their fetch. They're going to go ahead and search. You're like, oh, before you do that, I'm going to cast Shadow of Doubt, and you can't search your library. And then just to you know put the cherry on top, I get to draw a card. Um, so this would be a great card um, in you know any sort of like control variant of a blue black Esper control or something like that. Have you ever? played it play have you ever had it played against you before yeah yes or was that yesterday yesterday um what deck had it was it the i can't remember what deck had it but yeah i, I played against it soul it was, sisters played soul, it against okay. you okay yeah yeah that's exactly <laughs> it sorry you know I, I i don't i don't mean to be too uh too obvious here but if you've ever been shadow of doubted then from there on, you will always have like a shadow of doubt whenever you go to crack that second fetch land. You're Isn't like, that the they truth? have it? Yeah. I'm worried. I'm scared even. I have a shadow of doubt. Yeah. So, Nathan, you've become our all of a sudden flavor judge, and you give this a <laughs> 10 for flavor. This is a good flavor card. Yeah. 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 It's, um, a, it's a 10. So, Cameron, <laughs> just because we're talking about modern, what are other things that you could end up searching your deck for besides lands? Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, What's a combo deck that searches the library for things? Oh sure, sure. So Escape Shift that would be a great one where 
you know, you stop this and you could stop the shape, escape shift combo from going off. I was referencing birthing pod, but birthing sure. Birthing pod, sure, yeah, yeah. Birthing um, pod is still lose more the guy. Yeah. Um, now, Nathan, I'm interested because this is this card is, I would say, a point of contention amongst control and tempo players, right? Whether it's good enough to include as a one of or not um, in some of these decks. Have you played with it? What's your thoughts on it in the format? You know, I think I'm. If I'm going to play control, I am personally a fan of a Shadow of Doubt somewhere in the 75. Now, whether you want it in your main or whether you want it in your sideboard, you know, I, I when not only does it feel amazing if you get somebody with a Shadow of Doubt, mm-hmm. like at that point you're like, I don't even care if I win the match, I just got you with Shadow of Doubt. Oh yeah, but uh, that's not true. You still want to win. But <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's, I think there's, you, you know, if Birthing Pod is quote-unquote, the best deck in the format, having something that completely nullifies a Birthing Pod activation can't be that bad, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I would say, I, I feel like Shadow of the Doubt has the opposite effect that Azorius Charm does. So, too often, I'd say a lot, Azorius Charm in Standard, people will immediately cycle it. Immediately. When they have no need to go get anything, they just fire it <laughs> off to go draw a card. Mm-hmm. Right. And Shadow of, the da- Shadow of Doubt is like the opposite. Sometimes you should really fire it off to just cycle it, and it's so rare to see that happen. People have such a thing about they want to catch you, you know, and, and sometimes you really have to hit that land drop, you know? So it's important to understand that, yes, this card has great utility, but just cycling it every once in a while when you have a specific need is A-OK. Also... It affects your ability to search. That matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get caught with your pants down um, doing <laughs> that. Just saying. I, I've seen it happen before. It's pretty brutal. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, so let's kind of put a bow on this. Nathan, we've referenced it earlier, but let's just talk uh, from your from the perspective of your Twitter handle. Where can people catch you on the old Twitter? On Twitter, you can find me at GreatNate. Cameron. If someone would like to speak with you or have you send a message to Dustin while he's half a world away. Yeah, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. You can catch up with our show on BrainstormBrewery.com, SpikeFeed.com, and MTGCast.com. We will catch you guys next week.